in lovely Cleveland, Ohio, this is the edifice of our demise. Hello all and welcome to the edifice of our demise, the show that takes a loving and longing look at the harbingers of our own doom. I'm your host, Rich Straffolino, and joining me is the dreidling dervish of decimating depression, the challah-consuming contrarian, and the lovable vodka, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Weinberg. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. On this most joyous of holidays, but not really. It's true. It's 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 like a it's like a what B minus holiday for your people. Uh, well, put it this way: I don't know if you have an equivalent, but is there a holiday at which at which you look forward to getting socks or school supplies? Uh, that's just every time I log into Amazon. That's always a possibility. Oh, so see, every time you go online is like it's the joy of Hanukkah for you. <laughs> Well, good luck at uh, sundown, Ben. Thank you very much. You ready for uh, some fantastic uh, signs of the apocalypse? Always. Every sign will actually last for eight days. (laughs) That's truly the miracle of Hanukkah. Wait, do we call them, do you call them miracles in Judaism? I honestly don't know. Is that like, is that a Catholic word? The Han- no, the Hanukkah miracle is, okay. uh, yes, the oil in the lamp was supposed to only last for one, but lasted for eight nights, mm-hmm. and thus the miracle of Hanukkah. Gotcha. I just didn't know if, like, the literally the word miracle was a uh, was a Christian appropriation, or was that, we, we took that from the Jews, too? Uh, well, like everything else, yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Are you ra- ready for a little doom? <laughs> or duh? Yes. All right, Ben, first up on doom or duh? A service that will tell you who died in your house and if they were murdered. Doom or duh? I think this is the definition of doom. I can understand why it exists, why you'd want to know. But But as a service. The fact, yes, the fact that it's being commoditized. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I can understand if when you got a home appraisal or like a, you know, broker price opinion or something like that, if they were like, oh, by the way, someone died in your house. But (laughs) that'd be kind of weird job, I guess. But to have that explicitly for that just seems a little weird. Yes. Next up on Doom or Duh, an economist who did the math to determine that the destruction of the two Death Stars in the Star Wars films would have actually bankrupted the Galactic Empire. Doom or Duh? Duh. Okay. Because the fact that a nerd had to look up and do the math doesn't it even. I mean, isn't it basically what happens in the movies? The well, Death Star blows up and the, and the dark side loses. Well, no, no, but not the Galactic Empire, but the very financial system that would have had to have been in place due to the loss of capital, the massive loss of capital. Uh, would cause a, a fundamental banking crisis. The idea being that that would that a job of that scale would have required a massive uh, buying of government bonds, and then the with the destruction of them with basically no residual value would get uh, uh, would cause a massive uh, crisis as the empire defaulted on its debts. Yeah, I'm still gonna stick with my answer, uh, nerd. <laughs> I what what. It impressed me the most or disturbed me the most, whichever way you want to look at it, was this was presented as like an actual paper. Like he went to the trouble to actually put this in like an academic form, not just like as a blog post, but went through. He has references cited and it's kind of crazy. But what are his references other than the movies? Wikipedia, the Star what? Wars wiki, uh, the <sighs> but he also um, did. There have been people that who have a lot of free time that determined like the raw materials that would have been needed uh, to build something with like a 140 kilometer radius, which is supposedly what the Death Star had. 
And so look like he actually like going into the physical reality that would be required to make something like that happen. Okay, fine. Sub do more duh. This it, scientist announces that he's single. <laughs> Most definitely. Duh. duh. Next up on Doomer Duh. We may have reached peak internet here, Ben, because famed internet cat Lil Bub has, quote, released an album entitled Science and Magic, a soundtrack to the universe. Doom or duh? Doom. Even that's even for a cat. This is too much. <laughs> What's crazy is I looked into it and there are actually like notable guest stars appearing, like featured on the album. What, like who? Uh, do you remember uh, Kimya Dawson who did the, or basically was the entire soundtrack for Juno? Okay, what's that person done since? Clearly not much. <laughs> she has a uh, respectable career as a recording artist, although you could argue the loss of her. Erstwhile respectable. <laughs> Uh, there was a couple, uh, also a couple uh, rappers and producers that were on it as well, but I wouldn't bother telling you their names since that would be meaningless to you. Yeah, that's probably true. Doom or Dub, Ben, next up. Cocktail bitters made with human tears. Doom or Dub? What? <laughs> Not an option, Ben. I'm, I'm going to need it. <laughs> Doom? How does that even work? It's a uh, hipster bar in London. They were the bar that first pioneered breathable alcohol. Uh, and they have gone, and what they will do is use a strong um, uh, menthol compound uh, to produce tears from people. You use your own tears to make these. They will collect the tears, really? and then you can choose whichever herbs and alcohol you want to infuse them to make actual bitters. It sounds like it's strictly for, I mean, obviously this is just so that we can say bitters made with human tears. It's going to be like two drops in there. As someone who has no sense of taste, both literally and metaphorically, I don't even understand what bitters are for. They just add a little extra uh, flavor, like especially if you're having a vodka um, cocktail where the vodka itself doesn't necessarily have a lot of flavor. Uh, a dash of bitters will add, like there's orange bitters or there's uh, different uh, varieties of them that give it a very intense flavor. You only need a drop or two. So it's the hot sauce of the alcohol community? That may be the best uh, description of bitters I've ever heard. Are they literally bitter? Um, I've never had them just by themselves. I just know they give a nice little uh, punch to a drink. This sounds like on 30 Rock when they make her go to the club and they serve saffron-infused oxygen and it's just an <laughs> empty box. I think this is just a big gimmick. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. Uh, and finally on Doom or Duh, Portland having a bike-riding hipster Santa. Doom or Duh? Duh. Gonna have to go with Duh. As depressing as it is. In All fact, right. I could have even assumed that without even having you told me. <laughs> That's very true. All right, Ben, next up, we have a little Apocalypse Revisited. This is where we go over a story that we've uh, covered before here on the show and uh, see if it has any more apocalyptic uh, possibilities. We've talked ad nauseum, some would say, about uh, different Kickstarter projects, bringing shows back uh, that have kind of seen their day and maybe have either been canceled or finished their run. Uh, Full House comes to mind, as we've talked yep. about. Yes. But another show is coming back, seemingly coming back from the dead. MST3K is at least going to make six episodes. As of the recording of this show, it has just raised just under $3.5 million wow. uh, based on a, an initial $2 million goal. The stretch goals for it uh, reach up to $5.5 million uh, to, to make 12 episodes in total and then hopefully uh, be able to relaunch the series uh, showing studios interest off that to do it on TV. 
Ben, is this another senseless uh, relapse into nostalgia or giving a new spin to a fun series? Well, I like to say giving a fun spin to a new series. Or a new spin to a fun series. Either way, but... It takes half a million dollars to make an episode. The argument or is it would buying the rights. Well, they said the initial uh, one was. I believe there uh, there is a rights issue that the 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 naming rights to it were sold to someone. I believe someone associated with Viacom somehow acquired them, so they have to buy those rights or license them. I'm not sure. And then they said the reason it takes because the initial goal was two million to make three episodes. And you can see it scales slightly back from there, but they want to be able to make at least decent commitments to cast, uh, to sets, to um, to get the kind of and crew to get the show off the ground, and then it presumably would be much cheaper once they get off there. They said the other problem they were having was that it's not as cheap to license bad movies because people realize that there is value in having the rights to horribly crappy movies for. Uh, internet uh, review shows and all that good stuff. So people are trying to monetize those a little bit more. They said it's not crazy, but it's not like they could get them basically for nothing uh, like they did back in the late 80s, early 90s when the show was initially on. Uh, So, I mean, could this... It it seems like they're making the right steps to make this a successful and genuine uh, attempt to redo the show and not just endlessly grind through the same things. Yes, and... From what I remember about the show, but I only ever watched it fondly in retrospect, Mm -hmm. so I don't know about an initial run, but it always seemed, everyone I watched seemed uh, genuinely snarky. I mean, it's very clear what you're watching going in, Mm -hmm. so I don't think you would choose to watch it unless you had a fondness for the format, and it wasn't... I don't remember like really a set or anything. Don't you just see the back of everyone's head and? Well, there, there. The pretense of it is it takes place on a spaceship. Uh, that these, uh, that the main uh, human character and the two robots are being uh, experimented on by mad scientists to try to drive them insane. Find which bad movie will drive them insane. Oh, I see. Uh, so I, see. I didn't even know that. Yes. So and the. It's, it always was very kitschy and very uh, DIY. Like, they never made any attempt to not show the strings, and they would draw attention yeah. to them because they were kind of making fun of uh, of being in, a like, a cheap show, making fun of cheap shows. It was kind of the, half the fun of it. Right. Um, but um, let me bring it up. They actually do, though, uh, have commitments from a number of cast members uh, going forward, which is kind of interesting. Probably the biggest name would be um, Patton Oswald is going to oh, be yeah. uh, participating in it, which is, you know, that's a pretty big coup, I feel like. Uh, Jonah Ray, uh, he's was famous for oh, yeah. the Nerdist and for uh, the Meltdown with uh, yes. uh, Kumail uh, Nanjiani. And then Felicia Day will be playing the like the main uh, evil scientist person. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Uh, may- vaguely? But, it, I mean, that's that's the perfect group of comedians i mean it's like uh you get some good material but you don't need a huge name i feel like because they're just making snarky comments recognizing well, it someone's the internet voice. it yeah. plays to the internet base definitely and they've right. cast the robots as well but they're not as uh, knowable of names yeah and uh, is it the same voices every week Yes, it'll, it'll well for the the six to twelve episodes, depending on how many they actually get funded for. Uh, they will have uh, the same cast kind of committed to doing that. I was particularly heartened because when I first heard about this, I was like, "All right, are they just going to roll out you know the same like the same old people?" And which would be fine to me. I would enjoy that. But if it's going to be picked up for TV, they need to gain a new audience. Yeah, and I feel like if they just kept with this, the old, like old cast members or brought back old cast members. 
you're you're only doing fan service then at that point by bringing in a new cast i feel like one you get different voices you get different jokes you can be relevant to a, a larger spectrum of people that's what they need and and they've brought in like smart really funny people too so that that makes it a lot of fun too yeah. it, it will be weird though i i mean because most of those people would have grown up or at least been very young uh young adults watching that show it is weird like coming in to do to perform on something that you were a fan of, like in your formative years, that would be kind of weird. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you talk about the comedians you mentioned, that's probably right up their alley. Oh yeah, definitely, and they're they're already kind of doing you know snarky internet commentary already. So this is uh, just a, a little bit uh, a more direct method of doing so. Are the movies they make fun of movies you would have actually heard of? I mean, I know they're supposed to be cheap and bad, but are are they random titles that just? You would never even know. They're just so bad. I'm pretty sure they're going to be like the same kind of fair, like old monster movies from 50s, 60s, 70s. Their goal, they stated, was not to try and buy like, I don't know, something like. um, I I can't even. What's that? Too expensive. Yeah, like not major studio productions, uh, but, you know, maybe find movies with, uh, you know, actors that would go on to be famous or were way past their prime or kind of slumming it in these terrible movies. Those are always fun to do. Uh, so um, so we'll see what they pick. There haven't been any uh, news on what they'll pick, probably because they don't have the money to actually buy the rights yet. So they don't mm-hmm. want to announce anything prematurely. But it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, this can take off and you know actually do a, a reboot of a series. I don't think that's ever been done from a Kickstarter of taking a series that was you know done. They did the Veronica Mars movie. That was a one-off thing. But to use Kickstarter as an actual springboard to get a new series started, it would be very interesting. Yeah, but that also that show seems perfectly suited to that because in you know over the last decades there's been a push toward shows that are cheaper or that are um require a minimum of like total production, you know, so Oh yeah. cuz you don't uh, do you ever other than like a title sequence, do you ever see any other part of the spaceship? Do you see anything other than the backs of their heads in the movie theater? No, the backs of the heads are always the silhouettes, and it's really just one or two rooms. They're like, And it's basically the same set that they just reposition to go right. over. I know they want to be a slightly more ambitious, not to make it look like legit real. It's still probably going to have a very cartoony kind of feel to it, but I think they want to be a little bit more ambitious with what they can do um, with the puppets for the robots. I know they specifically stated they want to give them more articulation, a little bit more uh, freedom to be kind of characters within that space. Um, but uh, it, it it shouldn't be all that much. I think probably the crew and the um, obviously the the talent is the one of the big expenditures. Yeah, but like once once you get that off the ground. Per episode, I feel like it'd be pretty cheap. I mean, that's the kind of thing that a network might even take a flyer on because there's well, so yeah, low risk. And it's it's an it's a known property, so there's that marketing advantage. And anyone from our generation is going to look back fondly on it. I don't know anyone who maybe it's just because we hover in nerd circles, but I don't know anyone <laughs> who disliked the original, even if they weren't a huge fan. So that seems perfectly tailor made for this generation of show even if it only had one season or it wasn't a it didn't last it seems perfectly uh it, it seems to have all the elements that a network would love uh so it, hopefully it will come through if nothing else i can't see netflix or amazon not picking this up and running with it because it seems tailor made to gain additional subscribers and play to a very dedicated fan base and 
I mean, maybe that's not what the show creators want. Maybe they want to reach a new generation of people and maybe getting on a cable network might be a little harder. Although sci-fi puts out so much shit that you think this would be a no-brainer for them. Then again, they can't kind of canceled them uh, back in the day when they then they picked up the show. So it uh, it will be interesting to see going forward how far they can take this. And I'll be rooting for them. I, I'm a huge fan. Are you going to donate? Uh, I may already uh, have a donation. They don't collect them until uh, the actual end of it, I think, is in seven days. Let me see. what They're actually up to $3.8 million as of this recording. Okay. Well, and what was their goal? Uh, their original goal was $2 million just to get the three made. For the whole five, it's going to be – or I'm sorry, for the whole 12, it'll be 5.5. So they might come up short before that, but it looks like they'll have six for sure. Okay. Well, we will, uh, I'm sure, be keeping an eye on them. Well, updates as time progresses. All right, Ben, are you ready for a little apocalypse chat? Let's do it. All right, Ben. A Brazilian civil rights group is trying to take on lack of accountability online. If you tweet something racist, they will use the geotag to potentially put the tweet on a billboard around where you live. Username and pics are blurred out. So will this racist shaming turn the corner for internet discourse or is accountability for online speech the harbinger of our doom? Wait, hold on. So they're going to track you? They, they are going to take advantage. They're not tracking you. They're, they're, they're looking at the information that's already on the tweet if you choose to have uh, geotagging put on there. And I think it's on by default. You have to turn it off if you don't want it. Okay, so they'll look at that. Mm-hmm. Put up a billboard near where you live but blur out the username and picture? Yes. So how is that accountability? I think it's so that like if you're walking down there and you hear your neighbors going, isn't that disgraceful? Like if you hear public indignation about the horrible things that you said, even if you they don't know it was you, that it would shame you into thinking more about yourself, more about who this is affecting, not just you. First of all, there isn't enough billboard space around the world. And second of all. People don't have shame. And that's the whole problem with the internet culture. People don't reflect on their own misdeeds unless you force them to. And if there is any kind of escape uh, from your own actions, people will not be forced to change. And third, couldn't you just turn off the whatever it is, geotagging? Yes, you, if, if you want to be a dedicated Twitter racist, uh, you probably want to turn off uh, geotagging on all of your tweets. I mean, I wouldn't say that, um, you know, that... Ex- that people just don't care. I think a lot of times, especially for younger people, for, you know, someone who, who you know, I, I think we've all growing up said something and not realized the full context of what we are saying. And, you know, not necessarily something racist, but you say something in a way that you've heard other people say it. So you think it's OK. And then later on, you realize probably not a smart thing to say or or like kind of a, a, a repugnant thing to say. Um or at least that's happened to me and I carry the shame for it for my entire life. But I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with a lack of empathy that people don't, because they're typing it into a computer, because it's going out to an anonymous network of people that you may or may not ne- uh, ever meet. There is a, a very hard time establishing empathy uh, for what you are saying. And I mean, I personally think if maybe some people see people reacting to what they say live, uh, with, uh, I mean, the problem I guess would be if they see it and then people are like supporting it, like, yeah, that's right. Uh, then it, you know, then it's validation, but I'm assuming they're only choosing the most heinous, uh, things to put up there. Hopefully, I mean, not hopefully, but it will, it's an interesting social experiment of nothing else. Yes, but I don't think it will work. I'm going <laughs> to posit an even more cynical 
observation, and that is people who make the worst comments did not do so accidentally. I'm sure there's a there's a percentage of people who just aren't aware of what they're putting down or the context makes it uh, interpreted in a way that it wasn't intended. But I think a lot of people just are jerks and tweet mean things and uh, don't care. It's not an accident. And uh, as a result, not only wouldn't care if an anonymous billboard went up in their neighborhood, but might even be proud of it because it got so much notoriety. And uh, on a semi-related note, I can easily see a situation where people start posting tweets in an effort to get them posted in it on billboards in an effort to bankrupt this place as uh, a stupid idea. So I think everything about this is the end of our time, and I predict it will fail horribly. <laughs> do you think there is, one, do you think that the internet anonymity just allows people to say what's already on their mind? Is that the problem? Is that there, since there was no um, kind of responsibility for what you are saying, people are just saying what they are thinking? Or do you think that um, do you think that this is something that could be is there any way to address this? Is there any way that we can, you know, kind of enforce some kind of uh, uh, public moral peer pressure, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, on people on the Internet to behave a little bit more civilly? Um, interesting question. I feel like the only way to redress the lack of internet civility would, in true internet form, be some sort of crowdsourced repercussion. Okay. Like, if everyone on YouTube, if they saw a comment they thought was unnecessarily um, racist or something, not as just... As opposed to necessarily racist. Well, no. As, a, <laughs> as opposed to... Like deliberately before, hurtful or something like that. Yeah, deliberate. Deli yeah, that's the key. Like some people might post something they don't know, or there might be something that is, you know, kind of mean but ultimately inconsequential. But like when some when I mean it's all inconsequential, but when somebody posts something that is un where like it sometimes so for example, they'll post a, a question or you know, like the only time I really see comments are on hockey websites, but sometimes they'll post a question like, you know, why is so-and-so still on the ice? Uh, that guy is, you know, a, a waste of space, blah, blah, blah. So they're kind of venting their frustration over a team, but they're not really trying to, you know, make someone feel bad as opposed to, you know, like on YouTube, if someone posts something they think is good and then all the comments say, this person is uh, such an idiot. This is so terrible. How can anyone think like they're trying to hurt them? Yeah. So if if that was if by public opinion, uh, a comment was deemed to be intentionally personally hurtful, you know, the poster of that comment would be charged some kind of micro payment. Uh, I don't know <laughs> how feasible that is really, but it seems like the only way to fight Internet hatred is with other internet hatred. I don't know how that would work. So but you're, you're proposing attacks on incivility. Yes. Yes, I am. Because, <laughs> you know, similarly, there was, I think, a similar push to, uh, to out, for lack of a better term, some of the architects of the financial collapse and their risky derivative trading mm -hmm. and the pressure being that uh, the, the public shame would force them to uh, admit their wrongdoing. I, that was sort of the 
theory behind the Occupy movement. Yes, yes. And it absolutely failed because these people don't have any shame. They don't care if you know. They only care if they are forced to change because they cannot continue their present greedy, hateful lifestyle unless, uh, you know, if, if you allow them to do so. So, uh... It's to it's it to give them the opportunity to change themselves is uh, way too sanguine. It's going to require uh, forcing their behavior to change because people are jerks on that high a level. So how do you? I guess my question would be: How do you set up a mechanism so that people don't do this in reverse? So that a group of hateful people don't pick on someone who's just trying to say like, "Hey, maybe back off," and hit them with uh, you know down votes so that they get their you know micro payment charged against them. I have to think uh, there would be uh, an algorithm that could weed out specific words mm -hmm. that would be able to make that determination. Or I guess in extreme cases, there could be some sort of uh, like arbitration or like the next level of something. Uh, but isn't there isn't there usually like a, a report abuse type of button? Yeah, you like, can, but I'm saying, so how do you stop people from like, prov like if someone says a comment to try and de-escalate a situation to try and make, you know, someone says something racist or sexist or hateful. And then someone says, Hey, that's not cool. All of a sudden, all the racist or sexual or sexist or hateful people click report abuse on the guy saying back off. Well, but how does the report abuse option work now? I mean, wouldn't that be kind of the same thing? I, gu I guess then it would, you know, you'd have to go up a level, like have a, a human review it to, uh, to then enforce the transaction. So, um, you know, I'm not tax, saying this is a good idea. Tax the haters. No, I like tax the haters. Hater tax. But it just seems like even if that's not the best implementation, uh, some sort of actual real consequence. Well, and again, I, I don't think either of us are entertaining this realistically, but, uh, you know, I, the first thing I thought of was free speech, but it's not really a free speech issue because in any situation where you're online, you're on someone's private platform, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or, you know, any forum that's owned by someone and they have the right to uh, maybe, you know, a lot of people don't choose to exercise that right because they want to keep exchange free and open. Uh, but they do have a right to, you know, do what they want with their uh, property. So yeah. it, it would be, you know, it's an interesting thought experiment. I would like to see maybe like a, a behavioral economic study of that to see how effective that would be. I would, too. All right, Ben, next up, before we solve all the problems on the Internet, yes. uh, connected toy maker VTech has a nightmare scenario on their hands. Their hosted photos for a children's digital camera have been hacked. And as a result, almost five million parents have had their names, emails, passwords and home addresses stolen, as well as the names, genders and addresses of over six million children. The company also reported that 190 gigabytes of children's photos were taken by the hackers. The resulting investigation found that VTech wasn't even taking rudimentary security precautions with this sensitive data. Ben, is there any way this isn't the foundation upon which our demise is built? Uh, no, this is complete doom. This is, <laughs> it's one thing to prove a company uh, to, to um, show the world the company's poor practices, whether or not that has an effect. But uh, no, kids, man, come on. Well. What shocked me looking at this was when I say no rudimentary uh, uh, security procedures were done, they didn't even have um, like HTTPS 
uh, as the default for like signing in from your like if you were a parent signing in to like view the the photos that your child had saved to the cloud or something like that. That was a free and open connection, meaning that anybody that like if you had access to that router, you could immediately see all of their information basically going forward. They said like all of like they were using like 20 year old encryption on all of their databases, which basically are, are uh, yeah, basically worthless. Uh, and that um, a security researcher tried to access the site after the hack was reported and said he used a 10 year old hack technique that should have been patched years ago and was still able to gain access. So it doesn't even look like they're taking security seriously even now. Is there any scenario that VTech exists next year based on this? Like, how could you possibly have any trust in this company going forward? Yeah, I think what normally happens is whatever assets are worth anything will be bought by another company and, you know, either the company will be moved or absorbed somehow. Yeah. But, but I mean, uh, yeah, the, I probably mean, their biggest equity is their name, you know, as being like, oh, this is like kid-friendly, you know, stuff. And now that that's been tarnished, I mean, I feel like that's a huge blow to, the, to whatever assets they have. Yeah. I mean, similar in degree not not what happened but similar in degree of dissolve of trust so like a volkswagen type thing like yeah like they they didn't even take any steps to i mean they obviously weren't even trying uh so yeah uh you're gonna i'm sure if not already there there'll be some executive resignations yeah i haven't seen if if there's been any stepping down but i can't imagine that's too far off what about the idea though of I mean, the idea of the the VTech kind of philosophy on this seems to try and the idea would be to try and make children safer as opposed to giving your kid your phone and letting them click and, go, you know, go on Facebook or, you know, have free and open access to the Internet when they're, you know, maybe at a young age and not ready to see certain things or you're trying to keep them away from the uh, the Internet gulch, as it were. The idea being that, okay, VTech makes these tablets and cameras that uh, can be locked down, that can only go to certain things. And when they take photos, they can only be uploaded to something that the parents can review. Should, as, as someone who professes themselves a Luddite, Ben, do you find that problematic intrinsically or just in VTech's execution of that? Like, isn't that a noble goal to try and, you know... Expose your kids to the technologies that are prevalent today that they'll get, that they're going to need to use when they're adults, but try and do it in a safe way. Isn't isn't that still like a worthy goal? It is, but is there a reason that you have to do it specifically? Aren't kids going to pick that thing up just through the course of their lives going on the internet? I mean, they're going to be you know exposed to it enough to, to learn how to do it. Do you need a separate? way to teach them i mean I, I guess if you had some way to at least monitor i think part of the the vtech because they sell like tablets that are you know very locked down and the idea, the idea being that because they're built to be have limited functionality it's a lot easier to you know keep them off of stuff as opposed to just giving them an ipad and yeah there are parental controls on that but i'm pretty sure it's they're a google search away from figuring out how to disable you know once they get to a certain age when something's not designed to be locked down to begin with, it's a lot easier to circumvent it going forward. Don't I know? Yeah. <laughs> You're a genuine hacker, Ben. That's right. uh, so, um, like, I, I sympathize with the parents in this, in that they were, I think they were trying to do the right thing. And, and uh, you know, these tablets were designed from, like, ages three to nine, you know, so I mean, this the the, the the total creepy idea that some hacker has 190 gigabytes of like you know personal photos or you know just kids being goofy or, or unguarded, 
and now has them, you know, for I don't know even know what the hell they would do with them, but it's just creepy as hell. It's very creepy, yeah. Is there any um, word on who it might be? Like, usually it's either, you know, like the Chinese mm-hmm. or it's... Uh, well, we're told it's the Chinese because, like, the layman can't look at it and see, like, oh, yeah, there's the evidence. Like, I always get skeptical when it's something like that. Okay, fair enough. But all, all other times, sometimes it's one of these activist groups who is saying, like, we're, we're, you know, we have a vulnerability and you're not taking care of it, so we're going to show you, you know, the error of your ways. You know, yeah, one the, of those. The dickish white hats um, that are, yes. yeah, trying to shove it in your face. Exactly. So any any word on who or why has done this? No, and that's what makes it concerning, because when I first heard about this, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, this is someone who sent VTech a notice a month ago and said, hey, you need to fix this ASAP. They didn't, and now they're, you know, they're making, you know, they're shoving it in their face. But because there is no kind of calling card, it's not anonymous or anything like that, because they're usually very front and center, or one of the, you know, splinter groups that are around them that, you know, will, you know, hack just for the lulls or something like that. Haven't heard anything about that. So it seems like it was a malicious uh, attack and someone who definitely knew what they were doing. Yeah. So, uh, sadly, it looks like there's not much uh, to be done with that. Bennett, me, this topic reminded me that I want to kind of get into this with you about the idea of establishing a digital idea, like parents establishing a digital I- uh, identity, I'm sorry, for their children. And should parents take the lead on that? And just kind of what your thoughts on, like, with Facebook and, uh, and uh, you know, posting, like, hundreds of photos of your kids before they have any decision on that matter uh interesting i guess i would say like anything else you know like if you're you know under a certain age you need your parents consent or you need your permission slip signed or whatever until the child is aware and old enough to make that that decision for themselves i think in most areas there is you know the the parents retain control uh of how that goes Mm -hmm. and i think it's impractical even for someone who hates posting pictures online i do think it's impractical to say there's going to be no digital identity of that kid at all until they're you know how old that they can do do these things for themselves 13 is the bare minimum for a facebook account yeah and so i I can't i can't imagine because much as i hate facebook and all social media in all its forms uh, you know a three-year-old is you know probably is not capable of anything other than innocent use. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to let the grandparents see the, you know, birthday photo or whatever. So it's hard to imagine. I, I think the younger a child is, I think uh, the more innocent they can only be. Mm-hmm. So to keep them off entirely seems impractical. Um, well, I mean, my but, only, yes. what, what concerns me is, and again, as, as someone who hasn't, neither grew up with this, you know, I was kind of a already, you know, in my late teens when this, you know, I think I I was 16 when I first signed up for a MySpace account. And I don't, I think I was over 18 when I signed up for my first Facebook or for Facebook. Here, I thought you were going to say you were so popular, it wasn't an issue. And then you just joined MySpace. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. And my Friendster account, uh, no one still uses. In Um, fairness, those were huge at the time. Oh, yeah. In terms of scale. I mean, like the when we first had Facebook, I was like, oh, this is cool. But man, I can't like customize all of my sweet things like I have on MySpace. It'll never take over for it. This is going to last forever. I can't embed my music player to annoy the shit out of people when they click on my profile and a song starts playing five minutes later on this shitty dial up connection. 
Um, but um, my, my, I guess my anyway, my <laughs> yeah, my issue with it is that I just picture a bunch of kids that when they're turning 13, 14, 15, and they have kind of this digital trail behind them where they have photos that they never chose to put online, you know, that, yeah, I mean, maybe the parents had the best of intentions, but, you know, maybe, you know, the, like, it reminds them of, like, a home life that wasn't that great, or, you know, a parent's posting them out of spite to get back at, you know, a former partner or something like that. I can just see a lot of ways where you wouldn't want every single, or I think about someone who is, um, you, you know, uh, who's transgendered and maybe, you know, is, is, doesn't necessarily oh, want that to be the first thing that they see when you click on their, you know, uh, you Google their name and all of a sudden you have 6,000 photos that come up um, that you have no choice over. And and I'm not saying that parents who who are, you know, posting a lot of photos or, or whatnot are doing something wrong. I'm just saying I've never thought about that. And this story just kind of made me first think about the implications long term as we get into kind of the first generation that grows up with this, what that's going to be like. So what do you propose? I, I don't even know. Like, I, I don't even know how you do it because, I mean, the the great and the terrible thing about the Internet, it's kind of written in ink. And that once you once something is out there, it's very hard to get it down, as uh, Beyonce found out with the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I, I don't and I agree with you. I, I'm someone who who thinks technology can be um, at least a constructive cultural force in a lot of ways. So I, I definitely don't think isolation is the best way to do it. I just think maybe parents should be a little bit more responsible, not responsible, but be a little bit more thoughtful in what they're putting up there that maybe, you know, a kid running around like, I don't know, like in a diaper, like, uh, you know, throwing around something, you know, maybe that's not something they like he wants literally everyone to be able to see. I don't know if this is on Facebook to maybe give people an ability to lock it down or reassign photos to people's profiles. So then you can lock that off and then say like, hey, no one can see these, but certain friends or something like that. But um, I, again, I don't necessarily have a solution. I just have a concern that a lot of people haven't maybe fully thought through the implications because we've never had to deal with this as a society. So your concern is that it's not among the control of the individual of whom the photos are taken? Yeah, that that's my big concern. It's because when I take a photo, I'm choosing to upload it. I know exactly who has access to my Facebook profile or Instagram or however I'm choosing to share it. And I also have access to delete it if I say like, you know, maybe that photo of me doing like three shots uh, simultaneously or something like that, uh, you know, while I'm snorting blow off of a glass table. Maybe I don't really want that following me around for the rest of my life. Click delete. And at least that's like off my Facebook profile. Obviously, someone can go in there and save that later. And that's problematic in of itself but i have at least some a modicum of control over that so yes. i don't i don't know if that's on um which by the way that photo i look really great in it i have a lot of confidence uh while i'm doing it uh but uh i don't Must know if be this blow. yeah <laughs> it uh i don't know if this is on facebook or or what to roll out kind of um comprehensive like a handoff of photos as kids grow up that's just such, such a weird thing to think that like now facebook has to worry about these legacy problems uh, but, uh, it, it, it is a concern of mine for, uh, for the youth of today. How would that even work though? I mean, because you would need to, yeah, to you be need able to have an identity already set up in the system to hand it off to, right. But you can't sign up for a Facebook profile until you're 13. And then how do you prove necessarily that I guess your parent would have to go through and visually authorize every photo that it belongs to you and hand off that yeah. authority to it. it, it yeah. It, it, you get lost in the weeds real quick with it. Yeah, and and 
to uh, officially tag every photo with that person. And, you know, obviously they're going to be multiple people in many images. So how do you handle who has control of, you know, just one person have control of everyone in the photo that they take? Or like, well, you know, if you're having a three-year-old's birthday party and their friend, you know, infant friends are in it, who has control of that? So it seems like uh, many thorny issues. Well, and... It may just be an issue or a situation where this is just a new cultural force and that we're adapting to this. And that just may be a reality. I mean, if you think back, you know, 150 years, there were no photos of people ever. And that the person that you saw when you met them was the only person, you know, unless they were super rich and could afford a portrait or something like that. That was like the only representation of someone that you would ever have is either your memory of them or literally seeing them. And we adapted to the, you know, like people don't consider it an invasion of privacy to show have a baby photo hanging on the wall. So maybe, maybe, you know, in 15 years when I listen to this and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to this, maybe I'm completely overreacting. I'm not sure, but, uh, I just haven't seen a lot of people debating about this and or how we, how we deal with this for kids today. So I just thought it was an interesting, uh, little tangent. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, it is an interesting, uh, extrapolation of a, of if I okay, I'm gonna be a nerd. It's an it's an interesting extrapolation of an erstwhile real world problem into the digital age because you know if you as a child had a picture taken of you embarrassingly at a birthday party or when you were four and a guy your parents put you in ballet mm-hmm. and now they have pictures of you in ballet or let's say hypothetically your mom took pictures of you when you fell asleep on the toilet in case you ever wanted to put her in a home. <laughs> It's the same type of issue that never happened. Um, <laughs> uh, Listen, it was a long night, Ben. I, I understand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so point being, you know, that the thing, the problem you described, you know, could very much have happened in the real world. True. And, uh, you know, you never really read about it being too much of an issue. Like you said, we as a society adapted to to the uh, ubiquity of photographs. I mean, imagine the debate on the first photographs that were used as evidence in court. Yeah. I mean, so, and there was, so, uh, while we don't yet know how it will evolve, there is, um, I guess, enough um, weight to place on the photos or not that they will ultimately uh, evolve into an appropriate degree of import. Uh, and as such, the uh, ownership, I don't, th- you know, I don't think it will be an issue um, because I, I well, I as, know, w- I, as with the Internet in anything, it, a lot of it comes down to the sheer scale of it that uh, I think a lot of people it ha- it's hard to grasp, you know, because uh, you have so much more reach than has ever been imaginable to humanity over the past, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years, you know, that the the idea of a photo be potentially being seen by millions of people uh, very easily and seamlessly without having to physically deliver anything, uh, never, never was considered with any other kind of information. You know, the idea that you could send a letter off to thousands and thousands of people with just a single click and literally no other effort than to, you know, identify who you want it sent to, uh, is relatively novel. I mean, and again, it just, it just comes down to scale that, uh, it maybe, maybe it's just an issue of scale that the scale of it, uh, kind of intimidates uh, my understanding of it. Yeah. So I just want to say, though, Ben, I think this is the first time you've talked me off the ledge about being afraid of technology. I just want to say that. 
Well, that in itself is a sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> so I think that'll leave uh, lead us to the end here of the edifice of our demise. Ben, thanks you. Thanks as always uh, for sitting in and uh, making this a lot of fun to do. Any final words before we take off? Uh, no, just that I myself surprised that I am not. Uh, <laughs> I do not. There's a there's a technology. Uh, gap that I do not consider the end of a, the, the end of time, and that had you more worried than I. That's uh, unprecedented. Well, uh, for more unprecedented uh, matters, subscribe to our uh, iTunes page uh, to the podcast. We have uh, what I think this is our forty fourth episode, Ben. So we have a little bit of a back catalog wow. going on there, and find out all the times that I've had to talk Ben off the ledge when it comes to technology. And they uh, are myriad. If there are other uh, technological topics or terrors that you have and want to share them with us, the best way to do is on Twitter at Edifice Demise. You can also use email edificeofourdemise at gmail.com or facebook.com slash edificeofourdemise. Make sure whoever's photos you share on our page, you have permission to do so. Uh, we'll be back next week. Every Monday, we're posting it up there. Sorry we were late last week, but uh, I think we made up for it with a really fun episode. So check that out. And until next time we meet, remember, everybody, have a super sparkly day unless the apocalypse gets you first holler holler